ba 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 barbarian ba 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 barbarian oh jesus make a copy of a copy get a creepy mommy barbarian <laughs> what <laughs> this is spoiler you guys suck <laughs> I thought Josh so was going to come in with me. I tried. You said you're going to start it you off. You tried to sabotage it. I, we, Josh, we I, I literally said this start of this podcast. I said, Josh isn't going to do it. Josh I did like, do I it. I always Dude. throw my hat in the ring on That's these. Spoiler Listen to the me. tape. And he missed his cue. Divine inspiration spoiler. I'm like, oh, like Barbaran, make a copy of a copy, get a creepy mommy. It's going to be perfect. And make then. A copy of a copy, get a creepy mommy. That's great. That's great stuff, I, Pap. I, I, you, you changed know, key halfway through your first line, Pappy. That was, atro- was atrocious. <laughs> you did shift keys, Pappy. Ba, ba, ba. I came in on some low bars. No one heard it. It's not my fault. <laughs> ba, 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 barbarian. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Off to a great start. Uh, this is a Patreon requested episode on, you guessed Hello, it. Hello, Vera. Barbarian. Courtesy of Vera. Great profile picture again uh what's the girl from midsummer's name uh it's her with all the flowers florence Pugh. yeah florence Pugh. uh another great profile picture but she requested barb actually gave us a couple choices and we landed on barbarian a little bit of a skeleton crew tonight we got well we'll introduce the host because she gave us an opening question gave us a few opening questions actually her two opening questions would you go down into those tunnels to save someone you just met? If not, what type of relationship with the missing person would it take to get you down there? Then her second question, feel free to answer these in any order. What song do you like to jam out to in the car with the windows down? We'll go Weestus to Eastus. Stevie, I think that's you. Are you are you when you're driving with the windows down? Is it like oh, you're driving away from the crime scene because you just escaped? Are these questions related in some way? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you li- you leave Justin Long in the tunnels and you just go away, bopping away to Ricky Ticky Tacky. <laughs> Ricky Ticky Tacky. Uh, sorry to interrupt you, Stevie. You you're up, aren't oh, you? My bad. I thought I thought you were going. Oh, sorry, sorry. I- Stevie's Weistus, yeah. I'm going to pull up Brett here and do a Windows Up and Windows Down song. Mm. But I know, right? I mean, it's very office space of me. But let's see. What would it take for me to go down and save somebody like in that basement? Mm-hmm. I mean, is this like family? Barely know them. Well, I think uh, that's the question. I guess, would you do it for someone you just met? And then if not, like, what's the threshold of someone you'd be willing to save? Dude, I'm a huge believer like in karmic like justice. <laughs> um, so I mean I think I would just have a like if I knew like I mean this is kind of like the fun part of this movie is not knowing who the bad you know if Keith or Bill Skarsgård's a good guy or a bad guy but like if you know I just met this person I thought you know this person's not terrible or like, you're kind of fucking with me I think I would just have a moral obligation to go help them. Like it just wow. You just kind of. I mean, seriously, you just have a moral obligation to do it. 
Like, how could you live with yourself if you didn't? You know what I mean? I, but like, I don't know. I, the, the question's phrased in such a way, it's like, if you don't go down there, you're not helping them. I would help them, but that doesn't mean I'm doing that by going down there. You know, I'm going to run away and get someone with a gun. I'm going to get Brett to come Yeah, you're going to go to Brett's house and load up. Right. Start blasting. Go commando. Yeah, just go and blasting. Um, that's probably, you're probably right, Pap. Like, maybe not run down there, you know, all 80s action, like, hero style. But certainly, you know, eventually go down there after some planning, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, grab some police, so. grab some guns, show them you're not a crackhead, and, you know, let's go from there. But, and then, Windows Down song is like, I feel like weather has a big, like, part of that, don't you think? Like, oh, yeah. Um, it's a song by uh, Jim Croce. I think it's I've Got a Name. Mmm. That's like my like Windows Down song all day. Yeah, I've got a name by Jim Croce. That's um, that's my Windows Down song. It's not even a jam. It just puts me at peace. Wind hitting my hand feels great. And I've uh, got a name. I've got, I've got a, name. a name. And I carry it with me like my daddy did. Yeah, great Ooh, tune. Yeah, that's my Jim Croce impression. And my Windows Up song, it's very Michael Bolton of me, but um, next episode by uh, Dre and Snoop Dogg, I can jam mm. that song all day. Why do the windows have to be up for that one? You know why. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, what are you jamming to? And also, I feel like you're a very heroic person. I feel like you wouldn't hesitate oh to save a stranger. Are you Am kidding I wrong? me? Dude, these tunnels are the creepiest. <laughs> Man, uh, honestly, I got to think about my kids needing a father growing up. So maybe this other person takes a back seat so I can live for my kids, guys, for my kids. Know what I mean, Stevie? You got a kid now. <laughs> the children for the children. I kind of agree with you guys in that, like, if you're going in, um, you like this creature has some supernatural powers that I'm sure we'll get to later. So you can't just go in fisticuffs. You need some weaponry. So whether that's getting the police or going over to Brett's house, I think that's a good start. But um, I was thinking about this question a couple times, Pappy, because we read it when it first came in. You reminded us this morning, and then I kind of forgotten my answer, but so cheesy i don't like this band and i don't and it's not even my favorite member of this band i don't like but don henley of the eagles has a song (gasps) boys of summer and i can't help but love that song it's like it's kind of a song it's like the song is better when it's not summer weirdly and the windows are down um, give it a shot sometime and it's usually not summer or anything like it in South Bend so it's usually good pretty much 11, 11 <laughs> or 12 months out of the year <laughs> nobody on the road nobody on the beach feel it in the air the summer's out of reach lake. I feel like I heard that song a million times on like best of the 70s, 80s, and today type radio stations. You're with Casey Kasem. Oh my gosh. 
Is that Mikey's soundboard? <laughs> Holy shit, dude. That, there's a whip, there's a way intro. Uh, yeah, right. So, yeah. Listen, I don't really like to fuck with Airbnbs anymore. I think the threshold would have to be pretty high for me to like go charging in to save someone. And you know, I can say that you're not supposed to run into a burning house, right? Like, like we talked about, I don't want to make the situation worse. I don't want to compound with another body. Um, so I, I would say it'd have to be like an immediate family member for me to like go down there and try and save them. Um, not even a spoiler so like, man. Ooh, which spoiler man? Any spoiler man, a random spoiler man. <laughs> A random spoiler man? <laughs> You're not sure. They're just down there going, help, help, medicine, or my is lord. It, <laughs> spoiler man, help, help. <laughs> Be down there in a second. Um, I I drive uh, well a two-seat convertible, much like Justin Long in this movie. And there's been many a times where I've been jamming out to some Donovan or something like that with the top down. Top down windows down, though. I'm going to go with a song that's not really even usually my type of music that I like, um, but I don't know if you guys have heard the song Atlantic City by the band. That's a fucking jam, and I love thinking about going to an Atlantic City. I've never been to Atlantic City, but like, it talks about trying to make money, and like, I, like he is like gambling, and like he's down on his luck. Have you guys heard that song or anything by the band? It's not the Rick and Morty song, is it? No, no. Maybe it's playing in the background. You know who loves no. the band? Uh, Goshen College kids love the band. I don't know what it mm. is. Have you got? There's a fucking amazing concert movie that Martin Scorsese did called The Last Waltz with the band, and they did yeah. like a concert like the night before Thanksgiving for their last show. Freaking great! Uh, definitely Stevie. check that if you have. They sing that song that's like up mm. on cripple creep, rain <laughs> or um take a load off Randy. That's oh yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 band yeah fuck with the band i don't fuck with airbnbs i was gonna ask you guys stevie we could dance a little bit before the pod but you were very early on the airbnb yes. game. What's your, what's your current stance on airbnb because i feel like it's a hot button issue whenever i see it, it post- morphed into something it was never intended to be whenever i see it online people are like like they total up the Airbnb and there's always like $500 worth of cleaning charges. And it's like, why didn't I just get a hotel? Dude, hotels are the new Airbnbs. <laughs> like I was like so early on Airbnb. I remember it was like, why would I ever stay at a hotel when I can stay at an Airbnb for way cheaper? Now it's the complete opposite. And you guys, I'm not sure if I really brought up that much in the pod. Maybe I have and just don't realize it. But like, I really, really hate landlords like nearly despise them um especially ones that use it for like not supplemental income but for their like just their income and i feel like that's happened a lot with airbnb people have made it into a profession and i cannot stand it and also there's a lot of corporate capital running through airbnb right now as far as like buying up houses and neighborhoods and buying up neighborhoods um so i think the sooner that airbnb can be destroyed probably the greater for society Dude, I feel like that's like a very political message in the movie, even, right? Because like Justin Long's this douchebag. He has this property in Michigan he doesn't even see. And it's like he's running it through this company, right? <laughs> to mm-hmm. the point where this is being used as like a sexual torture dungeon. <laughs> right. Basically, this house. Can I talk about the positive sides of Airbnb? 
Please. Where they're better than hotels is it's nice to feel like you're in and part of a city when you go to visit someplace new instead of like a sterile hotel. Um, it's kind of nice to be somewhere lived in, feel like you've experienced the city in a more real way. And I think uh, there's just kind of something charming. And assuming, this is all assuming, like you guys were saying before the pod, that they aren't like spying on you with cameras the whole time. Are you guys like actually paranoid of like staying at a VRBO or Airbnb that you're being watched? Not VRBO, but Airbnb, yeah. Why, why would you be more scared of one versus the other being watched? <sighs> I feel like Airbnb is a little greasier, man. Um, and <laughs> I haven't seen many news stories about VRBO caught with cameras. It's always Airbnb. Verbo's like the nice. It's, it's like the, the nicer cl- end of like, yeah. Upscale. Like, yeah. If I was like, going to go on a family vacation, like I would do a VRBO. I wouldn't do an Airbnb. I did do an Airbnb in Japan, Josh, to your point. And that was fucking sick. Like it was so cool. Like, cause like when I was at the hotel, it's like, they kind of like want you to feel like an American. You know what I mean? And so it's like you're basically <laughs> like in a hotel anywhere. Like staying in an Airbnb in a different country was super cool. What What's not as cool, though, staying in an Airbnb in this neighborhood in Detroit, apparently. Josh, do you want to tell us a little bit about our main character, Tess? And there's a lot of misdirections in this movie and kind of like how how it sets up here with our boy Bill Skarsgård. What about our main character, Detroit? <laughs> Rock City. Uh, so the movie starts off and you see this house and Tess is pulling up to it and you're kind of unclear like what she's doing at this house. But it's soon told through ex- exposition that she's like just staying in an Airbnb because she has a job interview. She doesn't know anything about the suburbs of Detroit. Maybe like a typical Airbnb, Stevie. This place just starts off with trouble. Like the code doesn't work <laughs> on the keypad the first time she goes for it. The double it. booking and, is so common, dude. And then, oh shit, it's not only double booked, but the person who's double booked is like in there set up, already to go to sleep. Is that a common thing, double booking? I, I've not experienced that. Uh, happened to Pappy's men. I'm not sure if Josh met him or not. One of my really good friends from college um, he was going to Tennessee to visit uh, to see if he was going to buy a house down there. And the Airbnb he stayed at, he got there like 11 o'clock at night and a f- full-fledged like family was already in there. And like the guy who like was like the landlord or whatever running the Airbnb had to come out at like midnight and settle everything. It was a huge mess. How did he settle it? Was it the- Huh? How did he settle it? Pretty much by saying they got here first. Sorry. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's, yep. it's like a gold rush. It's like an Oklahoma, like plotting your land. Like, you yep. know what I mean? Like a land rush type thing. Whoever gets exactly. there Why wouldn't you want to stay in a... <sighs> yeah. I don't know. Is this a friend who's been on the podcast before? Yes. By the way? Yep. Yeah. Early days. Check out. So did the family not offer to split the wine with them and give him the bed and maybe they could sleep on the couch because that's what Bill Skarsgård does with Tess in this movie. I, if you got kids in there and some dude shows up being like, well, I booked this place too. It's like, dude, get out. If Tess was like a friend of mine, I would say like immediately just drive away. You know what I mean? Put physical distance in between you and this creepy guy. And the setup could almost even be like a meet cute type Hallmark movie. You know it was I mean? a meet like, cute. Yeah. Yeah, this was like, it opened on a meet cute. It's brilliant. But there's also like the sense of foreboding, right? Like when Bill Skarsgård opens the door, he like 
slinks into the shadows. <laughs> well, he's kind of I mean? creeped. He's <laughs> creeped out too. Like now, in hindsight, that he's not the bad guy. Like he's sketched out by this neighborhood as well, for sure. Mm-hmm. He puts a sheet in a duvet in the strangest way I've ever seen anyone do that in my entire life. I have no idea. Like, what is he even doing there when he's doing that? Like, what is a duvet? Like, what's happening? You guys know what I'm talking about? Uh, I mean, he's like washing it. He's got like a mattress pad and then it has like a comforter thing that goes over the top of it, almost like a sleeping bag layer. And he puts it over himself like he's a ghost and then like pushes his head into the com- the mattress and it like covers it. It's, it is really weird, but it's like uh, it's time for Bill Skardgard and Tess to bond a little bit here. Like mm-hmm. this is the moment where he's not seeming so creepy, but I was wondering, Pep, this whole issue again with like her ending up inside the house with him and they're kind of splitting it. Is there any world in which you could see that like happening? Single guy and a single girl. There's a miscommunication. Like what are the realistic chances in the real world that it could end amicably like this? Yeah. I'm sorry, who are you? What? Who are you? This is 476 Barbary, right? I don't know, yeah, yeah. I think so. You don't know? No. I don't live here. I'm renting this place. It's the middle of the night. I don't have it on top of my head, the address. No, I, I'm renting this place. What? I'm running this place. I, I I booked it on Airbnb like a month ago. I booked it on HomeAway. You're fucking kidding. Wait, wait. Wait, are you, are you sure you have the right place? Yeah, I... See, that's the, that's the thing, right? Is like, this movie has to do a very careful job of showing you that Tess is smart. Because a lot of what she does is so fucking stupid if you're like, I don't know, like taking a step back or thinking about it outside of the context of watching this movie. But from the second that she goes in the house, right, it's like there's a close up of her locking the door each time. You know what I mean? When she goes into a new room, when she goes to use the bathroom and everything. And then they like just address it later where it's like, well, you know, I have this reservation. Like you just barged on in here. Like you would never do that. I would never let you in if it was the other way around. Um, I mean, it seems very ill-advised, right? Like, I, I don't know, Josh. I feel like there's like a 0% chance that someone should should do this. But the movie does a good job of like, like I said, showing you that Tess is, is smart. Even to the point where like, when she forgets to lock the door, when she finally goes to sleep, like it showed you her locking the door so many times. You're like, no, Tess, lock the door. <laughs> I forgot this time. I think one thing too is that eventually the son reveals that the neighborhood she's in is ridiculously bad. Like basically every house around her is burnt to the ground. <laughs> Dilapidated just beyond belief. <laughs> it looks like a war zone for sure. So it, it it does have a feeling of like in any normal situation, she would have left or stayed in her car to make that call to reserve a hotel room. But like it was dangerous out there. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, it should have been a good sign when it was so pitch black that she couldn't even see the dilapidated nature of the neighborhood as she's approaching it, right? Like, you would think she'd be able to see some of this before she actually went in. And I, I don't know, Stevie, the first time that you watched this, you'd seen this right before we podcast. Yeah, I watched this. Probably, this is probably my third or fourth time watching it. Um, what do you, Can you think back to the first time you saw it? Like, did you know that we were in good hands with this because I could almost see this being like yes a bad yes. movie where Bill Skarsgård is the bad guy right you get what I'm saying like no um the guy who wrote and directed this his name is Zach um what's his name it'll come to me I'm uh, really Craiger Zach Craiger um of the, the widest kids you know it's not uh, like it's not anything groundbreaking I just appreciate when movies do it when they're filming in a tone like it starts off like a rom-com right almost like a meet cute like we kind of said earlier mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's filmed and framed like a like a rom-com that's fun to me the camera and the kind of like the pacing i guess you just even the movement and the framing of the shots shifts with each tone and i appreciate that a lot when directors do that so i knew off the bat when i first watched this because i knew nothing about it other than that it was scary was okay, we're starting off like a rom-com and it's filmed like a rom-com, I'm probably in good hands here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think later on they do a little bit more handheld stuff, but this beginning is pretty, like it almost be like a Hallmark movie. Yeah. <laughs> like we said with the intro. Josh, Tess is there to go on an interview, right? I guess well, first before I say that, if you were Bill Skarsgård and you had let in this girl to the apart- or to the Airbnb, and she woke you up in the middle of the night like that. Would you leave then the Airbnb? Because like from like you said, from Bill Skarsgård's perspective, he doesn't know that she's not a freak, right? Like that would be terrifying if she came over to him in the middle of the night. In case I'm some kind of weirdo who's broken in here to sleep. Yeah, yeah. No, it's fine. No. Let me just find my phone. Yeah, but they had the whole bonding experience with the bedding and everything, right? Mm, Right. (laughs) Uh, I I was just thinking about that scene. He's acting really strange in his dreams. It was clear that he was like kind of doing something embarrassing. And she like it's someone snoring loud and you like kind of knock them so they stop. (laughs) Um, It's almost like one of those feelings instead of like true creeped out that this girl's going to like stab him. I think Pap what the movie is trying to get at a little bit is his confusion of like, is this girl like approaching him in the middle of the night in a suggestive way? And I think that's pretty obvious. It's not. And that makes him even more confused, but there's just like a lot of emotions happening at this point. Don't you think Pappy? very mm-hmm. strange situation for all parties. Mm-hmm. And the other thing too, is the movie dedicates a lot of time to the setup. I'm never bored, but this whole setup, then the interview that she goes on eventually, which is nothing really significant happens there, is like the first 30 minutes of this 100 minute movie, right? So a third of this movie is just like that atmospheric building of the creepiness, which, you know, in retrospect, too, a lot of this creepiness is just coming from pure coincidences, right? Like, it's not like the mama thing open the door right like because like that, that's how she goes out to like see bill Skarsgård while he's sleeping it's the door just opens truly on its own is that accurate i thought she did open the door 
She like ran upstairs and opened the door and ran back downstairs. Yeah, I think she was just crawling about the night. Mm. <laughs> that's a that's a good like that's a good misdirect to me though, because you think it's like Bill Skarsgård, and you know it's something way scarier. She just likes to pop open the door. I guess that um, answers my question, but I was kind of wondering like if they wouldn't have needed toilet paper and then gone downstairs and then gone further downstairs, would they have been essentially like left alone or were they always going to be abducted if they stayed in this house? Um, That's a good question. They made it one night. Okay. Right. Like if they had a one night stay in this Airbnb, nothing bad would have ever happened to them. Right. So always never book a two-night stay at an Airbnb. <laughs> Not Keep in Brightmore. One night. Keep moving. <laughs> Move on to the next Airbnb. <laughs> Josh, you said that Detroit is one of the main characters of this movie. We talked on it a little bit, but what is this neighborhood like in the daytime? Bill Skarsgård's gone to do his little, I don't know, band scouting or whatever. We get to see the neighborhood in the daytime. It's, it's kind of a sad state of affairs looks like i don't know poland at the beginning of world war ii it's terrible <laughs> mm-hmm. it's absolute like honestly most of the houses are burnt and um yeah like the finest establishment on the block is this one dude who lives over by the water tower <laughs> <laughs> she never comes over this way <laughs> Is that a fair? I mean, it's just bad. It's like uh, you get a sense there's a couple square miles of just like housing units that are torn to the ground. A lot of transients around. What's that here. neighborhood it's- in Missouri called? Is what I'm talking about. It's just like this. It's famous, like famously terrifying and sad. Um, is it called like Sugar Alley or something like that? You know what I'm talking know. about, Pab? No, is it like? St. Louis or Kansas City or do you know? I want to say it's closer to Kansas. I think it's where Ezekiel Elliott was kind of like grew up from, like close by. Hmm. I'll have to look it up. I mean, it's tragic, right? And I feel like it, uh, even like when the guy runs at her, that's the guy who lives by the water tower, right? Is that what we're led to believe? Yeah, I think so. Trying to help her out. And, you know, I felt. I felt a little bit bad the first time I'm watching this. I'm like, man, that's kind of picking on the people who have to live in this neighborhood, like making them seem crazy. But he was just trying to help her. You know what I mean? He's trying to get come her back. Away. Little girl. Like maybe maybe if he didn't call her little girl, come over here. That would have like helped if he could have, you know, framed it a but little better. <laughs> the movie does a good job of turning that around later when Tess finds herself in that very same position, being like the freaky crackhead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. The the basement. Stevie, what's going on with this basement? You live in a house with a basement. I does do it, live in a house with a basement. Does it count to your square footage of the house? Okay. This is going to sound like... Perfect person to ask. <laughs> okay, so uh, basements do not count... Um, as uh, square footage unless it's like an actual livable a person to live comfortably which means it has to have a bathroom 
usually that's kind of what you count like a bathroom and designated like bedroom area you know what i mean that's what you count for uh livable square footage is that like an in-law suite type thing is that what that's called or is that something different um it's usually like upstairs like in-laws like like a kind of like upstairs apartment with like a separate entrance that's kind of like your in-law suite can you um, count it if it has a bed and a bucket though is that enough to make it a livable yeah, I mean, we discovered the rape dungeon down there, right? If there's a bloody handprint on the wall, then it can definitely add to the square footage. Needs a bloody <laughs> handprint. Justin but, Long measuring the basement is so fucking hilarious. I know it's a dude, little bit ahead, but that is so great. <laughs> like, Do you want to get into that now? Go for it, yeah. yeah. The comedic... So Justin Long is a funny dude, right? Like, I've always thought he's really funny. He's um, it's funny because he's been on this podcast. I think this is only his second time. Um, but he was on another horror movie, Jeepers, Jeepers Creepers. Creepers. But I feel like he's most known for kind of rom com roles. Well, he's right? also Isn't in he? Tusk, which is pretty freaky. Mm. It's terrifying. Mm. And Dodgeball. Don't forget about Dodgeball. Also freaky. Um, <laughs> but the comedic like expertise and just great writing too of him like going through these downstairs. Like, I forget. Does he even see like the rape dungeon? Does he see that area? It just doesn't even register with him. He just kind of like moves. Doesn't register it. with him. He's like, oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah. There's more, and I like it when he's like going past all the cages and like the cells, and he's still measuring, and he's <laughs> like, it's just so perfect. And he's just like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's ten feet, and like, you know. But he like, also dude. says he. He kind of like stubs his toe on a cage and he's like, what the fuck is this? Oh, 10 feet. This is awesome. <laughs> Here we go. Oh, boy. Oh, my God. Uh... Hello? Hello? I love when he's like Googling too. He's like, doesn't usually count, but it can. Oh, <laughs> hell yeah, bitch. <laughs> and um, um, go ahead. I was going to say, I just, I also found just, you're right, kind of just how he's oblivious is hysterical to me, but also when he sees like the glowing purple light down there, doesn't register with him. He's like, hey, yo, someone down here? Hello? It's just great stuff. <laughs> the logistics of building a rape dungeon like that would be insane. Like, that Frank guy must have just been tunneling for years to build that out. Like, it's it's a massive underground cave system, right? Because when Tess goes down there to explore to, like, go save Bill Skarsgård. So what happens is Bill Skarsgård comes back. Tess found the rape dungeon. She's like, I'm out of here. For some reason, she doesn't follow that instinct and just leave. And Bill Scars are like, listen, I got to go check it out. The, like, it goes down farther than we even see at the beginning. There's that initial room with the bed, but then there's this whole other, like, hallway and passes, passage. It's just absolutely massive. Josh, were you shocked by Bill Skarsgård's death, though, here in the tunnels of the Rape Dungeon, the, the deeper tunnels? I think it's about the 45-minute mark. Bill Skarsgård comes to an unpleasant end. 
um, his head is smashed against the wall. And you almost have a feeling that like this whole story between him and Tess is like a vignette that's ended and we're entering like a whole new story. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it dips Mm -hmm. to black pretty heavily. And then you're like with Justin Long, brand new character on the highway. Mm -hmm. A lot of hard cuts like that in this movie, which I appreciate. But Steve, I was going to ask you about the Bill Skarsgård death. So he's an executive producer on this movie. I couldn't help but like think of other examples of this, right? Like you you go all the way back to Psycho and I don't remember the character's name, but she was like the most famous actress in that movie and she dies in the shower scene very early. And then like a more recent example, right? Like Drew Barrymore in Scream. Scream. But then you have Brian Cranston in Godzilla and people fucking- The wrong way to do it. Rioted over that. People were pissed. How how does one do this right? Where it's a surprise and you're not like, fuck that. I thought I was going to see Bill Skarsgård for a hundred minutes. Like what's, what's the line? How does it, how does this movie pull it off? Cause I think it does with flying colors. Well, you have to remember like what was so angering about Godzilla and Brian Cranston was like the movie was literally marketed to him. Do you remember that? Like, mm-hmm. like, you know, this is his vehicle. Like, and he was like one of the biggest actors in the world at the time. This is peak Breaking Bad. This time. is peak like what's going to happen to Heisenberg type stuff. So that <laughs> I felt was very, I don't know. It felt greasy and it just, it made for a poor movie to me because, okay, like, you know, Brian Cranston dies. It's one thing, but also like Aaron Taylor Johnson at the time, I don't think could really pull a movie off like that by himself after Brian Cranston leaves. But I digress. Um I think the right way you have to do it though is something like this where you know we get this whole story and it ends abruptly but then we circle back right to it. Like I don't mind that mm-hmm. at all. Like Psycho does that in a similar way, right? We get mm-hmm. this whole story so. ends abruptly and then boom, we're back here again and it's this brand new story. Like, mm-hmm. I don't mind that at all. But I think the wrong way to do that is the way that Godzilla did it. And I'm sure there's other movies, plenty of examples, which is, you know, market this towards one person, like it's their movie and they die, but that you don't circle back to something, which, you know, this house is its own character. You just kind of continue to venture on without the person. Mm-hmm. Like when I was watching Godzilla, it felt like they just didn't have Brian, like enough of Brian Cranston's time. Right to incorporate him in the movie, and so they killed him super early. This feels like uh, Bill Skarsgård would have been there for as long as they needed him to be. Mm-hmm. His death is amazing, though. I, I don't want to gloss over that. It's super brutal, Josh. I know you don't like what you call torture porn. Sometimes was it too gory for you? His head getting smashed in like that. Is this the second time you've tossed to me to discuss Bill Skarsgård's head getting? I want you smashed. to get into it. It's awesome. <laughs> I, I think it looks so cool. Like, there's a couple moments in this movie. I'm thinking of one later where uh, the guy from the neighborhood, I forget his name, um, Andre, Doug. he gets beat with his own arm over the head. <laughs> like oh, my gosh. The violence in this movie is funny. Like, it's over the top funny, I think. I mean, did it make you squirm? I, I, I'm feeling like it did, since you don't want to talk about it. Uh, yeah, it did. And I feel like you... <sighs> it was honestly a little bit of a, a relief and maybe Stevie will understand, just like in a movie way, with everything building, the jump scares that this movie is giving you, like, it's nice just to get like a death out of the way and be like, okay, 
Now I probably bought myself some time before another like really fucked up thing happens. <laughs> well, and like the the smash cut that it goes to like couldn't be more opposite. Like we said, you have Donovan's Ricky Ticky Tacky playing, <laughs> and this is this is why I fucking love the internet. I pulled up that YouTube video because I wanted to listen to the song before we potted. Top comment on YouTube from Kenzo. No better song to listen to while driving your Porsche down PCH before getting a call from your agent <laughs> that you're being dropped in the studio due to sexual assault allegations. <laughs> I fucking love the internet so fast. Listen, AJ, I gotta tell you, there's no new money coming in. Can you, Stevie, can you tell us about Justin Long? We talked about like him as an actor, but what's his character like? He is a douche. <laughs> a douche is douche. He is that guy where he's almost like, I don't even know how to explain it without sounding like a dickhead myself. Um, he's kind of like that actor where you go, how did he get famous? And no one knows why. Um, and he's also just a giant asshole. And, you know... You have to think, like, is he like a brand new actor, like an actor who just made it? I feel like that's the case, right? Like, he may have had, like, one other show, and now he's starring in this pilot. What's ma- What makes me laugh so hard, though, is when they're like, name, and he seems so offended that they don't know that he's AJ McBride, and he's like, AJ, AJ McBride. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. it's like, you should know this. Do you know who I am? I, I like that kind of attitude from him. One thing I like that this movie did was makes him a villain rather quickly. There's not that kind of did he, didn't he? It's like, no, this dude like full on raped that woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get that like from the bar scene, right? Yeah. I mean, like he's, he's kind of a douchebag like all before that. Um, I do appreciate his Grillo's pickle, Pickles hat though. I don't know if you guys have ever had Grillo's Pickles. They're fucking delicious. Um, but I mean, you're kind of like, he has this whole like, this is all happening to me. And then he gets to the bar and I forget the way he puts it. He says something like, I'm a persistent dude, basically. When like yeah. she said, like, she said no at first only. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's messed up. Mm-hmm. I also love like his sort of like, um, contempt for Tessa's stuff that's in the house, right? Like, so he he goes to the house to liquidate assets. He's he's you know being dropped by everybody at this point. His financial agent uh, or his financial advisor, his agency. He goes to his house to eventually sell it, finds Tessa's stuff there, and he finds her pink laptop. He opens it up, like pounds like five keys on the keyboard trying to like hack it. It doesn't work, and he just tosses a Mac like over his shoulder so <laughs> nonchalantly. It's, it's freaking great. Um, but Josh, things don't go great for our, our anti-hero here, Justin Long. What happens as he starts to explore the house a little bit? It's interesting because the movie does like a good job of making you think that maybe you're past the test story, but also maybe while Justin Long is like hanging out upstairs nonchalantly, going through her things, tossing her Mac, maybe Tess is down there somewhere suffering. And the movie kind of lingers here a little bit and it's it gives you that like creepy feeling. But eventually, like like we talked about earlier, teased out, the best scene in the movie happens here. Like yeah. <laughs> earlier in the movie, 
Tess, when she discovers this these basement tunnels, she's like taking all these precautions, trying to set up an extra light, going super slow. And Justin Long is like just loving like he just sees like each extra square foot is like <laughs> gold, money in his pocket. So he's just got like Right. I don't know. He's got very like a uh, uh, white man privilege. Him just like tape measuring through these basements, not giving a crap about bloody handprints or cages or cameras set up. It's so weird. <laughs> we didn't talk about the look of the monster. Uh, I guess she's the monster. I-, I saw people calling her mama. I don't know if she has like an actual name within the movie what'd you think of the look though stevie i i thought she looked like really creepy and and great i don't necessarily understand how generations of inbreeding leads to super strength and like resilience all this stuff but in superhuman height for a girl Mm -hmm. i personally the scariest moment of the entire movie to me wasn't a jump scare or a homeless man having his arm ripped off and beaten to death with it repeatedly um, the scariest moment to me was when you could faintly see her, like Justin Long could faintly see her in the hallway and or in the tunnels and she just slowly backs away because it kind of gives off this looming sense of dread. And like her look was perfect for that scene, like that shot entirely, like her being so tall and like skankly and just like being able to barely make out that shadow or that figure was very terrifying so i thought the look was pretty cool mm-hmm. she looks like a hag raven from skyrim i know you guys <laughs> don't play skyrim but mikey would have loved that reference like just like i don't know just like long limbs like you said like her boob or bags are kind of like hanging out too like I, I don't know i thought the design of her was just you know super creepy and cool josh how many played by a dude mm-hmm Josh, how many generations of inbreeding do you think it takes to get uh, a creature like that? Like, how many times, how many copies of a copy do you have to get to before you get to superhuman strength? <laughs> Infinity? I don't know. Remind me of Game of Thrones, Crashers Kids. You know, it's kind of <laughs> like the same, same concept. Yeah, don't you think it would have been better if there was just like a ton of inbreds of varying creepiness just as like a mass horde instead of maybe like one super like the hills have eyes yeah it would be kind of like that no i don't want to rip on this um i love i love the mother i think um stevie we talk a lot about like don't show everything like all at once in these type of movies Mm -hmm. and I, i do think they showed restraint a lot of times also what this movie does a really good job of are when those smash cuts happen it's really like visually arresting right because it's like both times it goes from in the tunnel dark like you're saying josh you can barely see the first time when it cuts to justin long bright sunny pch california highway the second time it's the same house but the colors are just totally different uh steve you want to tell us a little bit about this flashback which i think comes at like the hour mark it's a long way in so they're like it's like almost every thirty minutes we're getting a hard cut to a different part of the story. Yeah, so this is to me, I mean, this isn't anything new in America, but it's like this shows the neighborhood when it wasn't in the like the most terrifying state possible. 
this is where we get, you know, how would you even call that? Dad slash father of her children. Yeah, this is when we get to see the Brightmore neighborhood. With very green grass, you know, cut lawns, like nice looking small homes. You know, people play, you know, kids playing out in the street. Everybody, you know, neighbors being cordial to each other. And this is where we also get to see, um, what's his name, Frank? Is that the guy's mm-hmm. name? So we're going to see yeah. Frank uh, doing his best uh, BTK impression, you know? He's uh, going into people's houses, unlocking windows, you know, hoping they're not noticing that, hey, I'm just here to check on this. He's got a plan, right? I mean, he, he's got a plan. He's also, it's a uncomfortable scene when he's buying like plastic sheets and like diapers and stuff like that that's a very uncomfortable scene mm-hmm. what strikes me is like how green the fucking grass is at this time too right i think like the first thing you hear is basically like it's part of the reagan administration time this is before all the white flights happening in detroit and yeah like the grass is just like so bright green it looks like it was like spray painted it's a totally different cgi is it really yeah, it's CGI. It's one of the few things of CGI they used in the movie. They couldn't get the grass just right, so they had to CGI the mm. green. Huh. Makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. But Josh, do you like this structure of the story? This is the last flashback that we get. And I was thinking, I, I don't know if I've ever seen a movie quite like this, where it's like you never get too bored or it never gets too intense in one section. Now, this Frank fl- flashback is very intense. Like Stevie's saying, there's like a, a sense of dread because you know he's a bad guy. But do you appreciate this, like going back and in this context of what's actually happening? I do think it's helpful at the end of the movie when there's like an old man in a bed and you're able to put that together. This Stevie, I'm probably an idiot watching this movie, but I did not put together that that was like the same house. Like the neighborhood is so transformed over like the decades <laughs> that they show. I like yeah. it took me until I saw the old man in the bed for that to click. So I I don't know if that's what the movie wants wants to happen or not. Right. But. Well, my question what my question is too is like at what stage did he like move into like the tunnels? Mm-hmm. You know, like what prompted all of that? How is the house in such good condition? You know what I mean? Who's taking care of the house? Justin Long's property team <laughs> no the maid only comes after the guest checkout <laughs> we never even know if it was trashed i don't know it i guess it doesn't really matter as much but i i, I was gotten with you josh i didn't recognize it the first time until you get that cut later with the hallway can i just address this though mm-hmm. if if we didn't watch the movies for spoilers didn't spend time recording took away all the editing time and posting and social media time and all you did was tunnel <laughs> Josh dude all I did was tunnel well maybe we could start a joint tunneling operation at my house let's start I mean what's down there who knows until we try what, uh, listeners write in maybe we can take uh, two months off of spoilers and see how far we can tunnel We'll get back to you. <laughs> I mean, listen, if I can get a pap den like Frank has, I've lived in apartments that <laughs> look very similar <laughs> to what he's sleeping in. That you've been there. Well, you will find your pap den, and then we'll increase the square area of my house to get the value up. Win win. 
<laughs> oh, we're tunneling in your house. Okay. I like this. Um, yeah, we can tunnel a little spoiler studios down there. Maybe yeah. a little less bucket and bed, but... No cages. <laughs> Ideally, yeah. Would you... you think, wait, you would, think it's a bloody handprint, but it's actually Pappy's print from like greasy wings when we did that like spicy thing in the basement <laughs> Papa John's is out of pap juice so I had to use marinara instead Would you have drink from that bottle, Josh? That the mom... What should we call her? You don't want to call her mother? Mama? The mother? The monster? It says the mother on IMDb. She's kind of a sympathetic figure, though, right? And you start to see it yeah. with the bottle and everything. Mama's got a heart of gold deep down. Well, somewhere down there. What did Bill Skarsgård do to deserve such a fate? He freaked out. Or she was freaking out. And she was probably protecting the girl. Oh. So what's Mama's MO, Stevie? Can you take us through that? Like, what what does she want? To be a mom. Baby. (laughs) Baby. Barbarian. (laughs) (laughs) Which is all because of the VHS that Frank gets when he's shopping for baby stuff, right? It's like a breastfeeding tape. That presumably that's all she's been able to to watch for years. Yeah. All she really wants Dude, I can't imagine like there has to be like a backstory, right? Like I imagine like deep down like she wanted to be a mom, right? And Lord knows what happened to that. And so or with that whole situation. So I imagine she likes to now I wouldn't say collect people, but take care of them. She doesn't want them to leave. You know? Mm-hmm. And uh, she doesn't want him to fly the nest outside of that horrifying neighborhood. And when people get angry or they get a little jumpy around her, she takes a head and splits it in half or, you know, bashes it against a, you know, a Michigan basement wall, stuff like that. Josh, I feel like this is a really good question. Are you ready for it? Yeah. Would you rather drink the mystery liquid that's in the bottle? Or would you rather suckle on mama's bag for a little bit? If you had to choose between those two. I think you got to go for the bottle because it seems like the bag is what you get as a punishment if you don't take the bottle in the first place. Bag's a bag, man. I don't know. I don't know what's in that bottle. Uh, Man, I think I just would like to be the opposite of everything Justin Long in this movie. So I'm still going to go with the bottle, Pep. (laughs) <laughs> he Fair turns enough. it he turns it down so I'll go for it. Fair enough. Um I think we talked around I, I think the character's name's Andre, uh James Butler. He he chased Tess at the beginning of the movie, but ends up helping her escape. He lives by the water tower and he kind of encourages her to just get the fuck out of there, saying that the house has always been haunted. I was so unbelievably frustrated with the police officers. In this movie, they are so incredibly douchey. I, I don't know. Like, do you think they have any like leg here to stand on, or I don't know, Stevie? Like, 
they're they're pretty much assholes, right? They pretty much say at the beginning of the movie when she calls for the police and they're like, we have no available units, which is code for saying, we're not sending we cops there. out to you. <laughs> yeah. Pap, we don't have to go to that part of town. You remember elementary school basketball? Mm-hmm. And there's these couple guys on the very, very far end of the bench and he got to get them into that, the game for just a little bit. That was me. Yeah. The, these two police officers are rough in these roles. Th- those scenes are really hard to stomach in this movie, if I'm honest. Like, you don't think they're like good actors or the like act- you're just frustrated with them? The acting is bad. I-, I was thinking about the scene. I think if this was done in a realistic way, cops aren't going to like talk to you that much. If they don't, if they're not buying what you're selling, like they're going to pull their vehicle 50 feet away and just sit there with the windows up and either engage or leave. You know what I mean? Like too much chit chat felt forced. And also I, I, it didn't come off well. Maybe it's the writing. Maybe it's the acting. I don't know. Hey, hey, what are you doing? Get away from there. Get down here. Can you, can you hear what I'm saying? This isn't crime scene. Get down she has killed a man already, and, and there could be someone down there getting murdered right now. Ma'am, there's no one in this building. No one's being murdered. And the only crime that I've seen so far is you breaking this window. I, what, what am I supposed to say to get you to listen to me? I mean, seriously, what the fuck? I feel like the movie wants to like really tie up as much logical holes as it can. And it's almost like... Like you said, Stevie, we had to say that the cops won't come to this neighborhood and then show, like, even if they did come to this neighborhood, they wouldn't listen to her mm-hmm. based on the way that she looks, right? And it, it probably, you know, she's like a person of color in the movie. And, and after being, like, in this dungeon for a few days, these cops are going to not give her the, the time of day, basically. One thing I, I do like this movie does, though, is it it doesn't over-explain too much, which is nice, and doesn't under. It's just kind of... You know, it allows you to fill in some gaps if you want, which is, I think, one of the stronger parts of the movie. Mm-hmm. What gap are you filling in here? Well, what drove Frank into the tunnels? Were there tunnels there before Frank? Or was he just a serial digger like Josh wants to be? Whoa, at least I don't want to rob the 4-H fair. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you leave that be, all right? I would do good with it. The, the way I see that going down, Stevie, is like... Houses started being foreclosed and he knew no one was like inspecting these things. So that's when mm-hmm. the tunneling start started and like eventually the house is inspected and he was so far gone into the tunneling that they didn't, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they sold the house like a, he forgot he had a house. He forgot he had a house and they, they just assumed he had ditched it long ago. I guess it's like parasite, right? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I can't believe we haven't brought that movie up yet. Parasite. Yeah. There is another movie that came out not too long ago that was literally about a guy living in the walls of a house. I'm trying to think of what that movie was. It was not a very good one, but I'm trying to think of more logical holes that this movie kind of allows you to fill with your head. Um, you guys what would happen? Like all of... So, okay, so Frank has been bringing women into the dungeon for generations of inbreeding, right? Like, mm-hmm. there would have to be more bodies, more descendants. You know what I mean? Like, the fact that there's only one creature 
left. Like, well, I mean, like, what, that kind of explains it, doesn't it? What do you mean? Survival of the fittest, Pap. She has superhuman strength, Pap. I mean, she's not like, like Josh said, survival of the fittest. That, that's the fittest right there. That's peak incest. Maybe that's why she's mm. so protective. She's seen all her sisters die one by one by one. Mm. Baby, baby. She's accidentally smashed so many babies' heads into the wall, she can never forgive herself. She's pulling a Lenny nonstop. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. Whack! <laughs> There's a couple moments here at the end, too, where you almost think Justin Long is going to have some kind of character turn. The first one, and I didn't really catch this or didn't really think about it until like the second time that I watched this movie, but he confronts Frank, right, who's like this serial rapist and is obviously you know these levels of like depravity and like evil that that he embodies but at the same time justin long is also a rapist you know what i mean like in the way that he i don't know is there something going on there you think josh where it's like justin long's almost kind of confronting what he's done to other people obviously it's not the same at all but like when he's like what is wrong with you to frank like well what's wrong with you dude you know what i mean like you raped a woman i hate to be preachy but this is kind of like jesus-y like jesus always justin long's the christ-like character no no no. one of the things like jesus always preached was like yeah adultery is bad but even just like lusting in your mind is really like a sin and therefore like on the same level of it so like justin long feels like he has this moral high ground but like like you're saying like is he what the fuck is wrong with him he, he's he got like the plank in his eye or whatever at the same time and he i was wondering what you guys thought of his monologue where he's like i'm a good person yeah well am i a bad person or am i good did i do a bad thing but i'm still a good person like that was maybe a little forced but i will say like it made me think about it later after I had watched the movie. I I don't know. I wanted to really see what you guys thought about that scene in particular. The way that it's shot, like the language of film is telling us that it is going to be a redemptive self-reflective moment for him, right? I'm not not, not like when he's confronting Frank, but later on like what you're saying when he's sitting by the fire. Like I'm pretty sure the camera is like a close-up on him. I think it's like panning around his face you know what i mean almost like he's like to show that he's connecting the dots of that he needs to like make amends because he's talking about accidentally shooting tess right he's not even talking about like presumably talking about like the rape that he did he's he's like talking about how he hurt tess and i don't know i just don't think there's any way a movie could give him a redemption like that without actually having to face the consequences. Obviously, this is all undone because he throws Tess off a fucking water tower. <laughs> he's, he's not a good guy. That's, that's the brilliant part of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's the most allegorical part of the movie. Because I think, mm-hmm. like, so, like, the relationship between him and Tess could be seen as, like, him and the girl that he raped. And the moment that he throws her off the water tower is like the moment where she accuses of him of rape and he like denies it 
am I getting at something here that's like almost uglier than the actual act itself is like gaslighting her and everyone else into thinking that it was okay what he did or something? I don't know. Like, what do you think, CB? I was like taking it in an action speak louder than words mm-hmm. type thing, right? Because Justin Long says, I'm a good person. Just we don't did see a bad anyth- thing. We don't see anything in the movie that tells us he's a good person. <laughs> you that's know what I mean? Kind of the, I mean, that's kind of like this. I mean, it's almost like a satire, right? Where, you know, you think Justin Long is going to get this big heroic arc, like you said. And it's just so funny when he was like, you know, I'm a good person. I just did a bad thing. All I can do is try to, you know, undo those bad things. And it's so hysterical. Like, and it's also perfect for his character that he would just, his mind, like, you know, he's kind of almost that hero stance. I got to make a decision. And his mind goes to kill this girl to get away. You know what I mean? You almost kind of mm-hmm. want to go into his brain and be like, how does this man justify things? But it's also very on brand. For those who haven't seen the movie, him, Justin Long, and Tess climb a water tower to get away from the monster. But the monster follows them up there. So they're like cornered. Um, It's like they're on Weathertop in Lord of the Rings. (laughs) And instead of being Aragorn and like charging at the foe and like trying to help the hobbits. Justin Long straight up grabs Frodo by the hair and tosses her off weather top. <laughs> Listen, the Nazgul's going to stab both of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like um, Justin Long seriously is like, this is the baby that you want. Go get her. Only one of us can survive and grabs Tess by the hair, drops her off. And like the kicker too is there's this hilarious scene where the mother saves Tess by like skydiving faster than Tess and landing <laughs> under her. <laughs> she goes vertical to increase her speed and gets below her. But Justin Long has the gall to climb down the water tower, go up to Tess and start explaining away his actions again. Why he did it. Just like mm-hmm. the rape. He's like, oh, I didn't have, I didn't have a choice. Like, uh, it was a quick decision. Uh, it's trauma. Like it's so weak and thin, and he dies Pedro Pascal style here pretty soon after. Mm-hmm. Is that a Jeepers Creepers reference, Stevie? With What's his that? eyes, people were saying I don't that kind know. of. Did, yeah, people were saying it was like a direct homage to Jeepers Creepers, which I don't. Does he get his eyes gouged out in that movie? I remember, like at the end, you see he gets his, like, his eyes skin. cut out. Right, right, right. Yeah, I said it was interesting. Um, <laughs> no, it's. Uh, I mean, you could maybe do a little parallel when he was kind of like screaming off camera. I'd say that's a closer homage to Jeepers Creepers than the eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see that. I, I was gonna say though, Josh, with like the mom character, Mama, saving Tess. It's at this point in the movie where it's kind of like. She's an objectively better person than Justin Long. You know what I mean? Like she's just like a victim of circumstance, basically. Justin Long said everything and he's got like every advantage in life. You know what I mean? And he's just still a shitty, horrible piece of shit, basically, right? Like mama sacrifices herself to save a baby. Her baby. It was like the moment 
Justin Long got like a little bit of power because they like one of the details I picked up is in the conversation with his agent where they're telling him what's going down. He's like, I was the first build actor and then they brought her on. And like in hindsight, after you hear his story and you get a good idea of what went down, like he totally used the leverage of himself being the top build actor to like coerce this poor lady. It's mm-hmm. very it's very ugly once you start connecting the dots and realizing like what kind of dude he is. Mm-hmm. And I don't like at that very last scene too. There's almost I don't know like the the way that the mom Hagraven thing is looking at Tess. There's like real compassion there between the two and it's it's almost like a mercy killing from Tess when she shoots her. That's the way I the took head. it. Mm-hmm. Why didn't she help get her an education? Jesus Christ! <laughs> Wait, who? Which the the mama character get an education? Yeah. yeah, like I don't know. It's so ridiculous. Like that creature needed to be killed in the. I I don't know. Is there some sort of life the mother could have lived after this? Well, you're saying like send her to cosmetology school. Like, what are you? What are you saying? There's not. She's got to go, right? Like, I I don't know. There's no life. It's like at her. the but end I, of Shaun of the Dead when there's oh, yeah. zombies like playing video games and like helping at the supermarket. Oh, Ed chained up in a shed. <laughs> it's got like mother like producing milk for kids in need or something. I don't know. I do love the Be My Baby by the Ronettes music in there. Like the whole last, like, I know, there's so much energy, like, going to that moment, too. And just, like, when the, when the credits roll on, like, a upbeat song like that after the movie you've just seen it, I don't know. I really like it. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty much Barbarian. Do you guys have any final thoughts? Anything we missed? How would you categorize this movie, Fab? Horror comedy? I think it's funny. I mean, I think this movie. I think like it's a funny movie really too. Really funny. Mm-hmm. Like the tape measure scene, him have, having to act in the computer. I, I would say the I mean, water tower probably, scene is hysterical. If I'm putting it somewhere in blockbuster, I'm probably putting it still in the horror section. But I would say horror slash comedy. Yeah. The only other final thought that I had was that when Justin Long calls his mom, you guys remember that scene? Mm-hmm. The mom is Mrs. Hayworth from Superbad, the home ec teacher. Oh, really? Yeah. That's awesome. Two movie club. This movie is pretty well written. Is there some like psychology shit happening or psychological stuff that you could like read into happening on that phone call? Because this whole like way that Justin Long's mom talks to him, and there's this whole like mini thing about how like his dad does or doesn't want him to like come home and visit. I, I think <laughs> there's some. I think there's some like shit in there. I, I like I said, this is my first time watching it. But Stevie, you've watched it a couple times. I don't know. Mm-hmm. What does he say? Like, dad wanted to visit. 
And she's like, well, he didn't say that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, you can if you want. It's like he invited you. Is that explain who Justin Long is or something? Is that like a clue or? I mean, like kind of like his toxic personality traits you're talking about. I don't know. I just feel like we need a trained psychologist like Brother Jordan to be like, yeah, he has daddy issues, so that's why he needs to be like an overaggressive alpha male, but he's actually a piece of shit. There's something there. I Honestly, the whole scene where he calls his mom is a little weird, right? Like, why is that in this movie, do you think, Stevie? Like, what? Because like, he's talking to his mom, and he's like, she's a fucking bitch. And his mom's like, language, don't say that. But like... Well, you're tra- you're looking. You, well, we're we're transitioning from Keith to him, and Keith was a very polite gentleman, right? And he talked mm-hmm. about his upbringing a lot, which is like, ooh, yeah, you know, hey, you know, he's very. He kind of, I wouldn't say he like dotes on Tess, but like very gentleman, like very respectable. You know, you're gonna take the bed, you can lock the door, do whatever you want. I'll sleep on the couch. We'll go from there, mm-hmm. and then we Dude, transition to just- Justin Long. Think about if he's like the antithesis. Yeah, if he was in the house when Tess showed up originally, he's gonna be like, "Get the fuck out of here!" Right. So, like, so what we get is like we transition to everything Tess was afraid of at the beginning of the movie, right? Oh yeah, everything that she was afraid that like Keith would be, Bill Skarsgård was, Justin Long ended up being. So we Mm kind of get that crazy transition of. You know, from Keith to Keith's desk, out of the house to Justin Long to Justin Long in the house. It's a it's a fun transition. Mm-hmm. I feel like Ooh. having Keith be a nice guy does add a lot to this movie. It you does. Know what else? Justin Long probably would have not told her to get the fuck out of there. He would have tried to have her in there and then do weird stuff yeah yeah we know what would have happened if if justin was yeah we Uh, know i opened this bottle of wine while you're in the bathroom here have a drink yeah 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 that that bottle of wine would have been open like he Mm -hmm. wouldn't have waited one iota and tess could have said no at first but he's so persistent he's so persistent man i gotta say yes what a fucking loser that's so terrible (laughs) Yeah, dude, the scene at the bar, like, first of all, it's a very realistic scene in the sense of, like, when you're catching up with an old friend at a bar, you know what I mean? Like, you're shouting over each other, like, I'm your bro, just real talk, like, what happened? You know what I mean? Like, talking about a previous relationship, but, like, the way he describes it, like, doesn't he say, like, I have the eye of the tiger or something like that? Like, it's just horrible. Just, like, the worst. And what's also kind of telling, too, is, like, he's essentially going out in his hometown, right? Like, we have to, like, assume, like, going out in your hometown, right? hmm Like, if he was famous, he would have way more friends, like, at that bar. You know what I mean? Than just that one guy that is probably, you know, just as equally as a douche as him. hmm He's only got one friend, right? Yeah, he's, he's only got, got one friend. And that guy's just as dumb. Him. Yeah. Mm, yeah, exactly. You guys have any other final thoughts? Um, I know, like, I know this movie gets a lot of flack for 
kind of the tonal changes and like the story shifts really hard and also kind of like the monster i guess i love all of it personally um like this movie i think is it's just my kind of movie i really like the tonal shifts or like the story shifts and the monster doesn't bug me and i feel like the comedy fits in really really well in this movie mhm yeah i think it's a good a good mix and i like even the structure, I feel like there's going to be more movies like this. Cause like I said, it's only giving you the strike. There's no like consecutive stretch of like 35 minutes of the story, right? It's like a hundred minute movie, 30 minutes cut to Justin long, 30 more minutes cut back to Frank. Well, you know the, I mean? fu- almost- the, the fun thing I think personally, I think this part's really fun is you could edit you can entirely flip the Tess and Bill Skarsgård point and the Justin Long. Um, like you could switch them from like, you know, the beginning and middle to middle to the beginning. Like you could open on Justin singing Ricky Tiki Tabby and it still works. I think you could put, you could put the Frank scene anywhere in this movie. You could like it would still mix work. this movie back and forth any way you want by sequence. And it still works. And that has mm-hmm. a lot to do with the writing. I think it was really, really well written. Vera said something like that in the Patreon messages. She said, uh, can't wait to hear what everyone thinks of it. Sorry, Vera. Can't wait to hear what everyone thinks of it. It's such a ridiculous movie. I love the transition to Justin Long's first scene. Ridiculous movie is like a really good way to describe Mm -hmm. it. Like kind of over the top, crazy. Um, Sounds like we're ready for yes or no. Steve, you want to go first? I'll start. Um, I want to say I saw this movie right when it came on to HBO Max. Really wish I'd seen it in theaters, but unfortunately, this is right around the time that my wife was very pregnant and my daughter was also becoming a toddler. Very hard transition to get to theaters at that time, but um, I really dig this movie. I think it's, you know, just different enough to be unique in its own way. And I hope it inspires other movies to be like this. And, you know, I read this on IMDb that A24 passed up on it. And that's shocking to me, Pap, because this seems like an A24 type movie to me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Kind of an all over the place, you know, almost artsy horror. And I think the acting is great. Writing is great. Just a good amount of scares and gore. Also, the comedy fits in really well. I don't know. I'm a big fan of Bill Skarsgård, man. I think he's a really good actor. You know, seeing him die so soon was like really sad because he's a great actor. You want to see more of him, but it fits in the movie well. So I'll give this a hard yes. I really, really like this movie, and I hope that the uh, director writer does more stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll go next. Uh, speaking of the director writer Zach Krager, I I'm not familiar with like the whitest kids. You know, I may have seen a couple skits on YouTube from the show that they had, but. There is something really cool happening with like the sketch comedy to horror with bits of comedy pipeline that's happening, right? Like I'm thinking of Jordan Peele specifically. Like it's almost like if you come from that background, like you can be funny. Like you are a funny person and you love horror. You can make a fucking really good movie with that like skill set. And like he clearly has both. Um great pick, Vera. 
perfect spoilers pick. I really fucking enjoyed this. I'm with you, Stevie. I really wish I would have seen this in theaters. I saw a lot of hype for it on Letterboxd, like when it was coming out and when it first came out on HBO Max. Um, I just didn't didn't think like it looked that interesting to me. <laughs> um, like I, I thought it was gonna be more of like a straight horror movie but i i just really 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 love like this genre like i said like the things that jordan peele's made recently this kind of movie if you can mix in some comedic elements with like an interesting creepy horror stu- story that's a good movie for me so i'm gonna give this a very hard yes last but not least josh I'll give this a yes, and that may be surprising because of how scary this movie is and bloody in some parts. And I'll admit, parts of this movie is pretty much in hell. There's some pretty slow burns (laughs) where they're walking through the tunnel, turning corners, (laughs) ready for a jump scare at any moment. Like That's just hard for me to deal with. It felt like a black Buster find somebody brought up like movie stores earlier in this pod, but it found it felt like something you might find at PJ's video or Blockbuster and stick in movie full of surprises and gore. A lot of fun, Vera. I didn't really know this movie existed, so thank you for that. Even though Stevie had watched it like three times, which is crazy, but Stevie, I dig this movie, man. Do you feel like Bill Skarsgård is doing sort of like? Adam Brody, Seth Cohen from OC sort of charm impression. Like he, that's the character he is like nerdy. I cute don't guy. character type him it, like that. It, no, you don't not in this movie. No. Um, you have to, uh, it was Adam Brody, right? From the OC. Yes. He always played off as the kind of nerdy intellect. That was kind of his typecast. And I feel like Bill Skarsgård in this movie, and even though he's like gentleman like, like he still seems like a normal dude. Like he's not kind of that like nerdy intellect in this movie, I don't think. Well, anyway, his good looks and charm reminded me of <laughs> Seth Cohen. And I will stick to that. But anyway, uh there I, again, I'm not gonna lie, there are parts of this movie, Vera, where I was like, this is gonna be a no at the end, because I hate myself and my life right now where I'm sitting watching this movie, but <laughs> it really came around. There's enough thoughtful moments, so I'm glad to give it a yes. Thanks a lot, Vera. Appreciate it. Definitely. Thank you, Vera. We really appreciate it. Appreciate your patronage. Hopefully you enjoyed this podcast. I Sorry, just for a little bit of a random note. Speaking of video stores, I saw this TikTok the other day, and it was like, showing video stores and the text said you didn't like don't say it you didn't realize it but like someday in the early aughts you walked into a video store for the last time isn't that like a sad thought like you didn't even you didn't know it would be your last time but it was your last time there was no ceremony to it you just rented a tape returned it and you never walked into one again it's so sad to think about but hopefully we'll get more cool blockbuster movies like one at some point you've listened to your last Spoiler. Spoilers never dies. <laughs> Spoilers is an idea, not a man. But all podcasts you. must end. And they usually end in trivia. I did not prepare any trivia, but Josh, do you 
have some trivia for Stevie and I? I do have a trivia. I love it when I can provide a trivia to have two best friends duke it out. Let's go. Um, <sighs> are you guys ready to just battle for bragging rights slash hot take corner, throwing it to yes. spoiler man sort of thing? Okay. So, we all know that in this movie, it's called Barbarian because they're on Barbary Street. Is that is that what we got here? Is that what it is? Yes, a lot of bars. Plus, it's an it's an Airbnb acronym too. Pappy pointed out. <laughs> Switch the letters around. Yeah, I, I stole that from Letterbox, but yeah. <laughs> okay, Stevie, we'll have you go first, and Pappy will go second. But, um. Back in 1963, there's a man in Turkey who was doing some construction to his basement. He knocked loose some stones. A tunnel opened up, connected to some caves. Um, They later called this an underground city. It was so massive. And I want you to guess how many stories deep did this go? I was not expecting that unit of measurement. (laughs) Stories deep. Yeah, a a little bit more background. Um, This this city was Cappadocia, Turkey, and the underground passages dated all the way back to 1200 BC. But how deep did it go? How many stories deep this Turkish man in 1963, quote, knocking around in his basement? okay so let's do this logically so to the core is what or if i wanted to go from top of the earth to the bottom it's what six miles right six miles through the earth i don't know probably yeah i think it's six miles it's not six miles to the core i think it's six miles through the earth but um how many stories in a mile what is the story 14 feet Josh, do you know how tall a story is? Twelve. Is it twelve feet? Is it? See, these are measurements that really like yeah. acres. Like, don't have a set measurement either. It drives me nuts. Um, I'll say fourteen stories. All right, I the story is fourteen feet. The story is fourteen feet. Man, this is one guy who dug these tunnels. No, he found the tunnels. In, no, he found in a city. In 1963, they called it an underground city. He found it in 63, but it dated back to 1200 BC. Oh, it's like the mines of Moria. I'll say four. Four stories. That's pretty deep. I think the people in Turkey back in the day may have dug too deep and found a ball rock because <laughs> it was eight <laughs> stories <gasps> deep. What? Damn. That's insane. What was this place called, Josh? Derinkuyu, Turkey, or Kapas. Dude, I can't. It's in Turkey. Just just research underground city in Turkey. You'll find it. But Dude, the after, systems are insane. Yeah, there's a lot of like old earth theories that relate to this this like underground city, but What's really cool is like after they discovered this initial entrance, 
they found like over 500 other entrances around the city to get down there like holy shit dude widespread (laughs) so deep so ancient so mysterious had to mention it on this podcast how do you discover like an old city like i don't i don't understand that like how does a city become like not a part of history anymore like one day they just sealed it up yeah (laughs) like how does that happen Well, like the person who sealed it up uh, eventually dies and then a couple more generation goes by. No (laughs) one even remembers that it was sealed up anymore. Like 1200 BC, that was over 3000 years ago. Like how many generations have gone by? Who knows when it was sealed up and who forgot about it? I would never forget about the old city, though. Like... (laughs) And make sure my kids don't forget about the old city. Hey, let's go down in the tunnels. Okay. <laughs> I grew up here on the negative 18th floor when I was just a kid. Well, Stevie, 14 uh, is your winning answer because that's just four away from 18. So you got the winner circle, man. Man, oh, man. I'll say this. In, I'd say, the last six to seven years, the Oscars have become a complete fucking joke. Yeah. Um, it like it used to be something I used to look forward to. It was a celebration of film, and it's no longer that, and it drives me insane. It's really just you're looking at one giant political rally for movies. You know, you have to campaign to be honored for something. It's a ridiculous joke, mm-hmm. and I mean, quite frankly, like me three years ago would have laughed at me saying this, but I firmly believe it now. I think Top Gun needs to win Best Picture. I think it needs to win it. And I think if it doesn't, the Oscars are going to fall into deeper obscurity. Um, I just think that there's no connect between what wins best picture and like the general audience, like truly believes like the best picture is everything everywhere. You're not down with that. No, it's not that I'm just talking like if it wins, that's great. But like, I mean, what's that fucking, um, Francis McNorman movie that one Nomad dude I Nomadland mean, Coda who's the fuck saw Coda no one no one no movie. one saw Nomadland no one I think that movie made two million dollars at the box office I mean Top Gun made that in five minutes this past summer like and I think it would be honestly a great thing if Top Gun won I really do that's not even me being like facetious like I think it would be great if it won um and I just, uh, I'll watch it this year, but it may be like one of the last times I watch it for a long time. I think outside of like Maverick and everything everywhere at once, you're not looking at a very strong field. And Pap, you and I talk about this all the time. Usually there's like at least like four, like there's usually like four movies that have a chance of winning Best Picture, right? Like usually yeah. it's like four four movies, right? I mean- this year just feels like it's obviously going to be everything everywhere at once with a long shot of Maverick. And I just, um, I don't know. I, <laughs> I think the Oscars are just, they're going to become very obscure, obscure over the next few years. So we'll see. I'm just not digging it. I legit feel that like the last of us finale is going to do a better rating, better rating. Dude, it'll do a better rating than the Oscars. And I guarantee you it will. 
As I said, I could be wrong. Os- I mean, Oscar Sunday is a Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. So not when you're hearing this, when we're recording this. Yeah, when we're recording this, Oscar Sunday is a Sunday. I'll call it now. I just I think Top Gun Maverick should win. I hope it does. And I think it would be a great thing for movies and a great thing for the Oscars. And that's my piece. I'll leave it at that. Uh, the end of these podcasts make me sad. I like hanging out with you guys. It's fun. Too sad. That was fun. <laughs> that was, yeah. fun. was that it? <sighs> thanks again, Vera. We love yeah, you, Vera. Thanks, Vera. That was a great pick. Appreciate yeah, you thank you, Vera. That was actually a really fun pick, and quite frankly, like really happy this movie got made on a tiny budget, but made a ton at the box office. And yeah, I hope more movies get made like this. Great pick, thank you. That was spoilers. Special thank you to our patrons. Spencer. You're going to have to make some tough choices. Matt Troll. Okay. I'll be right back. Brother Brian. I'm sorry. Who are you? The Meg. You're lucky we don't bring you downtown to sleep this off in jail. Gail. Nurse Stacy. What are we supposed to do? The Wolf. Yeah. I mean, it looks right. Barky 420. Uh, I need to use the bathroom. Nick. Yeah, yeah. No, it's fine. No. Let me just find my phone. Davey Kerr. I'm supposed to be in here. Total Movie Recall. I'm running this place. PK. Is someone staying here at the moment? I don't think so. Druid King. This is 476 Barbary, right? Pepe. Barbarian. Oh, Jesus. That was spoilers.